Welcome to Michael Stone's podcast. This free podcast is made possible through gifts by people like you. Please consider making a donation through the donate button on the website to help us offer unique audio, video, and text-based teachings on the internet and to grow this community library. Michael's teaching bridges the gap between inner healing and social change by synthesizing traditional spiritual teachings with the insights of the West. To learn about Michael's international retreats and workshops, please visit michaelstoneteaching.com. Thank you for your support. So nice to see everybody's faces. We're all facing in this direction. <laughs> um, it's really nice. Can we get some lights, maybe, so I can actually see your faces a little bit better? Mm-hmm. Ah, that's better. I like that we've moved in a little bit closer. Mm-hmm. Some of you feel far away, but. So this is the first time I'm giving a talk in front of a room of people. And I thought I'd be really nervous, but everyone, I just feel like love and supported. So thank you. Um, yeah, the, the second day that we were here, I had said to Michael, I'm really feeling... Um, missing Grant and Sophia. Like they're not here. I'm really feeling their absence a lot. And then in the next breath I said, but I also feel them like they're here. Like they're alive in this space and they're alive in me and they're alive in all the people who know them. Um, and before I came on retreat I had asked them for some advice on doing this, this job, their job. And this is what Sophia said. My best piece of, of advice is to relax. <laughs> good, it's good advice. It's really good advice. Um, trust that everything will come together. Trust. And urgency is not required for anything except medical. <laughs> Grant's piece of advice, two words. Really so, so helpful in this practice. You should write it down if you have a book. Walk slowly. Mm -hmm. Walk slowly. Hmm. So that's what I'm trying to do here. What we're all trying to do is walk slowly. So we're on stage eight of the 10 ox herding pictures, which means we're almost at the end. Oh, look, you're coming closer. This is good. We're walking slowly. Good. Um, so I thought we'd just quickly, really quickly go through the pictures, because this one's really different, the pictures of the stages. So the first stage, 
Remember, it's really windy, and there's you, and you're looking uh, for the path. You can't find it. Really quick. And then you see the footprints. You see the path, and you see some footprints, and you're like, oh, okay. There's somewhere to go here, or there's a path to follow. And then you see the ox, the ass of the ox. Mm -hmm. And then you catch the ox. But look, the ox is so big and you're so little. You're so little. Mm -hmm. And it's really, it's, it's pretty strong. Like it, it requires a lot of effort to like hold on to the ox. And then you tame it. Right? It's still really big, you're still really little, but you've got a hold of it. You don't need to hold on so tightly anymore. And then you're riding the ox. Mm -hmm. You're on top of it and you're playing a flute. And it looks kind of fun, right? Six. Stage seven. No ox. No ox. There's just you in your little hut. And there's some trees and flowers. And I don't know if this is the sun or the moon, but I think of it as the moon. So there's no ox. And then in the eighth picture, there's no ox and there's no you. <laughs> They're both gone. And I love these two pictures together because you can see that it's coming. The Enso, which is this image here, is in the seventh stage. Like you're, you can see it, like it's there. He's like gazing at the moonlight. I think of this as the moon or the Enso. And the Enso uh, represents emptiness. Let me just read the poem before I go on. Stage eight, transcending the ox. Whip, tether, self, and ox have all merged. No traces remain. The vast blue sky cannot be reached by thoughts. How can a snowflake abide in a raging fire? Having reached home, you are in accord with the ancient way. So there's like not that much to look at in this picture, <laughs> right? Not that much to contemplate, or a lot. We'll see. So the the image of the Enso represents emptiness, and when you paint an Enso, you do it all like it's meant to be painted in one stroke, like it's one action, one breath, one moment. It's an expression of just one moment in time. And once it's completed, you can't alter it. You can't change it. You can't fix it. Um, and it's just the creative expression of one moment. The circle is not perfect. You can see that in some spaces it's really thick, and then in some spaces it's thin, and there's like, sometimes there's like, drippings down here. So this one looks almost open, but it's not quite. Sometimes it's open and sometimes it's like totally closed. I prefer the ones that are a little bit open, a little bit of space for things to move in and things to move out. Mm. But there's space. There's a circle and there's space in the middle of it. 
And that space, how I perceive it, is there's space for you to actually have the experience that you're having right now. So probably many of you have been on retreat before. Maybe some of you, this is your first time. And you probably had some expectations about what would happen on this retreat or how you would feel or what you wanted. And what you wanted and what's what's happening is probably not the same. It can't be the same. It's impossible for it to be the same. Um, We're on day six. I mean, I had I totally had expectations of what this retreat would be like for me, and it's not what I expected. So on, we're on day six, and on day one, you learned all the forms. So you learned how to enter the zendo, how to bow, how to chant, how to sit, how to walk. You learned a job. Everyone was assigned a job, and as far as I know, everyone said yes to the job that we assigned them, right? So that's really good. (laughs) Um, Maybe you like your job. Maybe you don't like your job. Maybe you wanted another job. The first year I was on retreat, I got the cleaning job. I was cleaning bathrooms, and I was, like, disappointed. I was like, I don't want to clean toilets. That's not, like, a special job. I want to ring the bell the next year. The next year I was a communicator. And that year it was just me, just one person getting all the notes. It was a lot of work. I was kind of wishing that I had the cleaning job. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But the next year I got the the bell ringing job, or the timekeeper job, which Melissa and Tara are doing so beautifully. But when you have that job, it's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure to have that job. And when you ring the bell, I mean, you're taught, like, when you ring that bell, you're ringing everybody's hearts. So it's like, it's a beautiful um, thing. And it's also like, like, am I going to ring their hearts properly? Am I going to do it well? (laughs) Are they going to feel it? And I remember doing that job. And I was not a good timekeeper. I rang the bell so poorly, like, so bad. I would ring it. There's only a couple times where I rang it, and it sounded really good, like, really good, and I wanted to hold on to it. I was like, yes, I did that. I made that happen. And then, like, I could spend 10 minutes of the sit being like, yeah, that was really good. And then when it was really bad, like, if it was, like, a dull sound, then I would spend 10 minutes thinking, oh, that was really bad, you know? Um, anyway, uh, jobs. Hmm. But it doesn't matter if you're cleaning toilets or ringing a bell or doing what you think is a special job. All the jobs that we're doing here are designed to support and help the whole community. So it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. And in fact, I think it's better to get a job that seems like it's simpler or like more ordinary because then you can use that experience in your life at home like you can use chopping vegetables or cleaning toilets which is not really cleaning toilets for some of you for all of you doing bathroom work i'm hoping that you're feeling that you're not just cleaning a toilet there's something else happening underneath that 
experience. The other thing about bathrooms is, I'm sure some of you have noticed that there isn't a lot of mirrors here. There's no mirrors. And like to look in a mirror, you have to like either stand up really high or turn it around or actually look for it in the bathroom somewhere. <laughs> like you don't see them. Um, and the purpose of having a mirror is so that you can see something reflected back. And usually when we look in a mirror, we want, we want to see something about ourselves. Or when I look in a mirror, usually I'm looking at something that I want to fix or change. It's like, oh, I didn't know I looked like that. Like, I feel a little bit disappointed when I look in a mirror sometimes. Um, but I feel like not having mirrors here is a part of the practice of, for me, anyways, like, stop obsessing about yourself. Like, it's not about you all the time. And when I'm not looking at myself all the time, then what I'm feeling reflected that, like when I look at you, like we're just reflecting each other, that we don't need mirrors actually at all, really, unless you have something in your teeth. But if we're, reflect- <laughs> if, if we're reflecting each other, then John's gonna tell me, Rose, you have something in your teeth. You know, I don't need a mirror to tell me that. So I think just really starting to notice other people on retreat. I mean, that's what we're doing when we chant the Bodhisattva vow. It's not the practice to awaken is not for ourselves. Did I bring it? Yes, I did. Uh, It's not for ourselves, but it's to awaken others. You know, beings are numberless. I vow to serve them. Delusions are inexhaustible. I vow to transform them. Reality is boundless. I vow to perceive it. The awakened way is unsurpassable. I vow to embody it. So, it's about serving other people. It's not about us. It's not about our enlightenment. It's about everyone around us awakening before us. That's what the Bodhisattva vow is all about. And we chanted three times, actually. (laughs) We chanted three times, not just once, so that we really remember and we can really take it into our hearts. So emptiness, spaciousness, the ENSO. Um, what I see when I look at the ENSO is, is the spacious awareness, the quality of spaciousness, which I hope that we're starting to touch when we're sitting here in the new ZENDO. Um, that you're feeling there's moments there may be long moments there may be brief moments of like spaciousness where you're not so concerned about yourself and you're feeling 
um, space. And it, when, when you feel open to the spaciousness, then something can enter you, like the bird or the fan blowing on you or the light in the room or the people in the room you can feel them also practicing also waking up so what we're really doing in our cushions is feeling the moment the actual moment express itself through the wind through the trees, through the birds, through the sounds. And when we sit here and feel that experience, is it's training for us to do that outside of here. And we're, it's training for us to do the same thing also. Like when I hear the bird, Like, the bird is just expressing itself as a bird. It's not thinking to itself, how do I be a bird? How do I chirp? How do I make my song or my sound? He just does it. And I feel like that's the same for us, and that the image of the Enso is like the expression of that moment in time, of that in space, the expression of it. So how can we feel that spacious awareness even when we're walking and when we're eating and when we're cleaning and when we're dancing we should have dancing on this retreat that should be a thing next year <laughs> dancing is really good retreat, obviously, and when we get really quiet, then we can let not just sound, but our experience enter us in a different way. Um, Patrick's job is to hit the mallet, to call us to practice, and I love hearing it. I love I love hearing it. It's like Patrick and the mallet and the moment ex- expressing themselves in in that moment. Um, and when I hear it, I hear awaken like now. This is the moment. Awaken now. And when he does the roll down, it's like it's like dropping. Like drop into this experience. Like right here like don't miss it this is the it's right it's happening right now don't miss it I'm Italian I feel Italian right now (laughs) (laughs) this is me expressing myself And the same thing happens when Tara or Melissa ring the bells at night or during the day. 
It's like, I feel them, and I feel the sound. And I feel all of us feeling the sound all at the same time. Can you feel that a little bit? And it's the same. It's like, be awake. Like, be awake. just in in this room and how do we do that without the sound of a beautiful bell Hmm. practice just doesn't happen in this room it's training for outside of this room All the moments, all the ensos. It's easy to feel them, I think, sometimes in this room. A moment, a moment, a moment. But then how can we string those moments together and walk them out of the space? So that it's a bigger enso. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not just one little one. Um, this image also reminds me of, um, I don't know why, but Dogen. Dogen says, practice is one continuous mistake. <laughs> one continuous mistake. That if you're not making mistakes, you're not practicing. I found this so helpful when I heard this. I was like, oh, I'm good at making mistakes. <laughs> so I must be really good at practice. <laughs> I felt so relieved. I'm sure some, I mean, I've made, I've made plenty of mistakes on this retreat alone in the last six days, lots of mistakes. But you have to learn how to drop them and let them go and let a new moment, like there's a new opportunity for you to show up again. Like today I saw uh, someone forget to bow at lunch and then they realized it and then they bowed and then a couple people around them, like, it was funny. It was funny. Like, you're like, oh, shit, I forgot. <laughs> um, but in that moment that you forgot and you remembered, you came back. You came back to the practice. And it's actually, we don't, we haven't done it in a while, but we, some of you here have done, who's done Oriyoki before? Yeah, Oriyoki is really funny. Like, so it's a, a Japanese way of eating. Is it Justin Zendo's? just in Zendos, and it's very formal. There's like bowls, and you have to set them out a certain way, and like the spoon, and the everything is like very particular, and it takes so long. Like here, we can eat in like five minutes, and there it takes like, it takes like 45 minutes to an hour. Like you're waiting for the food, you put it in your bowl, you pass it. It's very, like it's very ceremonial. So beautiful but so many chances to make mistakes. <laughs> and the first time I did it, I was like, I'm so not good at this. Like, I'm not getting it. Like, And then as the years went on, I just thought it was so funny. Every time I made a mistake, I was like, 
I made another mistake, another opportunity to wake up. And I started calling it Orajoki. <laughs> <laughs> yes, really funny. <laughs> so there are so many doors to practice. I think they say, is it 1,008? Michael, is it 1,008? 84,000 84, Dharma gates. 84,000. It's a lot. Which means anything. There's so many gates <coughs> opening you up to this moment, like the train. You hear that? That's a gate to wake you up and bring you right here, right now, in this moment. The first year that, I just love that sound, the first um, year that we were here, which was last year, last summer, and I would hear the sound of the train in the zendo, I pictured all of our Dharma ancestors passing through (laughs) our practice, and I would picture like Dogen and Katagiri Roshi and like all the people that I've learned about, and I would picture them like pointing at us and being like, oh, that one's like really awake, or that one's sleepy. Like they were like, <laughs> they were like <laughs> looking out after us. <laughs> so every time I hear that, I think about them passing through and, but also like passing through us, like this practice is passing through us. I'm going to read the poem one more time. Transcending the Ox. Whip, tether, self, and ox have all merged. No traces remain. The vast blue sky cannot be reached by thoughts. How can a snowflake abide in a ranging fire? Having reached home, you are in accord with the ancient way. So whip, tether, self, and ox have all merged. No traces remain. Merged. I feel like, how can we merge with the experience as it's happening? Like right now, I feel like I'm merging into all of you. That my words, however they're falling out, are falling out into you somehow. my expression of this practice hopefully is getting transmitted in you in some way that your practice is transmitting my practice and you're transmitting yours and it's like we're all included this practice is all inclusive There's n- we can't leave anything out none of our feelings none of our um, like even even when I feel like self-judgment coming up for me, it's like, how can I make space for that too? Like, feel that, and then also 
not hold on to it. Like let something else enter. There's judgment, there's breeze, there's wind, there's rain coming. Um, how can I just merge with my experience as it's happening? Dharma gates. All you have to do is enter one gate. One gate. Like in the Heart Sutra. At the end, gate, gate, para, gate. Michael retranslated it this week. Instead of going beyond, beyond, it's arrive. Like be here, arrive, arrive, really arrive. One gate. 